So last week, we looked at what it means for us as Christians to quit, yield, or surrender. And we briefly con- uh, contrasted the meaning as we considered the Apostle Paul's words to, to not become weary in doing good. And that was from Galatians 6, 9. And to continue to run the race. We reflected on this call to never give up while recognizing that there are things that we should, we should quit. We should quit worrying. We should quit trying to control everything. We should quit hanging on to anger and frustration and resentment. And that surrendering can be a good thing. A good thing. In fact, surrendering your life as you accept God as your provider, Jesus as your savior, and the Holy Spirit as your sustainer is more than just that single incredibly important decision. It's actually multiple decisions each day as we choose what we do and what we think and what we say. And I invited you very directly to to consider rededicating yourself, re-deciding, restating your commitment by way of a prayer, by way of whatever we could be, a baptism, a rebaptism. Not that any of that stuff didn't take before, but sometimes you just need to say, God, I choose you still, right? I choose you still. Paul's charge to not become weary in doing good was, was written in his letter to the Christians gathered in Galatia. And this letter is one of 13 books of the New Testament that are called the epistles. These are letters that Paul wrote to the early churches throughout the region. And among them are two letters written to a young man by the name of Timothy. And there's so much instruction and wisdom and words of encouragement that they definitely can stand on their own as study material. But in keeping with the theme of the current message series, I want to share with you words found in 2 Timothy 4.7. And Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that is something that I hope you can claim for yourself as you experience your lives here on earth. I have fought the good fight. I hope you can say you've worked diligently at living a life in the presence of and to the glory of God. I have finished the race. I hope you did not and do not give up. And I hope you can say I have kept the faith from Hebrews 11. 11, We know the definition of faith is faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And if there's any part along the way that you've struggled with fighting the good fight or finishing the race or keeping the faith, that's okay. That's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we're going to encourage each other. We're going to keep fighting that fight. This morning, scripture, remember that, that Larry read is, is found in Hebrews 6, where Paul is speaking about the certainty of God's promise. And in beginning at verse 17, he says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, and that's all of us, he confirmed it with an oath. Now, we call an oath or a promise between God and man a covenant, right? God is not a liar. He does not go back on his promise. This is a covenant promise. This is a big deal. It says, he did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Let me say that again. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I like this analogy it gives us a mental image of something strong and immovable, right? These big iron anchors. I do not mind being transparent with you guys. I mess up often. Um, and for the sake of making a point, I, I'll even make fun of myself a little bit. Um, and you've heard the story of me being chased by the red wasps. That was very funny. 
it hurt, and yes, it was slightly embarrassing. And the, my interactions with various creatures of the woods down here, I just sure he's like, are you even an outdoor person? I'm like, yeah, it's just the nature. <laughs> just. But when Cherry and I got our boat, we knew that we would want to do a couple things. One is we wanted to go take it out and find a quiet spot, enjoy a sandwich, listen to music. If the weather was above 45 like it was not this morning, was that ridiculous? So, um, to enjoy it, right? Just to enjoy it. And you know what this lake is like. Even yesterday, with it being cold and, and, and overcast, the lake was busy. It was busy. It was rough though, with the wind and the waves, and there's no way you could enjoy sitting in one spot, even a quiet one, without securing yourself. And especially considering that a tritune has the aerodynamics of an 18-wheeler on a windy day, right? So you need an anchor. You need an anchor. And I learned that it matters what kind of anchor you have. It also matters what you're trying to secure to and, and, and how you're securing to that. And an effective anchor isn't just a heavy weight that you drop over the side and hope it's enough to, to keep you stable. I had to learn that there are some principles and techniques involved. Because the lake is mostly mud, my yard, I don't know where they get the dirt from because it's not in my yard, it's all rock. But because the lake's mostly mud, you have to use that fluke anchor, right? You know, those, those kind. And the thing is you drop over the side of the boat, just like you'd think. And then you need to let out a certain amount of rope, like three or four times the, the depth of the lake. And then you don't sit there right over it. You have to tie it up and then you go back nice and slow until it sits, right? And it has to dig in and get a bite to hold you in place. And if you, it doesn't work really well with trees or rocks, not that kind of anchor. So if you don't do that properly, you just drift, right? The anchor might even just be floating in the water and next thing you know, someone's laughing at you because you're swimming after the boat trying to get it back. I heard. But what is it that you should be anchoring yourself to? Stop picturing it. <laughs> I am a good swimmer. You have to be. The wind is really strong around here. <laughs> but what is it you need to anchor yourself to, right? What, what is it gives you a strong, secure connection point? How do you attach yourself to the sacred? And how much drift should you even allow? As a scripture we read a moment ago told us, it, it is your hope that is the anchor for your soul. The hope is based on God's unyielding covenant promises. And as the image on the screen depicts, these promises are found in his word. These promises are numerous, numerous. And, and there are few that you can anchor your hope to just, you know, to rattle a couple off. God has a purpose for you. That's a promise. God is patient with you. That's a promise. That's a blessing. God will hear your prayers. We count on that. God loves you unconditionally. Yes, thank you. God is in control, even if we don't think so, even if we wonder where he's at, even if we're fighting him for it. God can do all things. He can. God will never leave you. God wants a relationship with you. And God has provided a pathway for, for salvation for you. Okay, these are just some of the promises. And these are wonderful, peace-giving, right? This, these are encouraging words. And as the scripture said, God is unchanging and does not lie. We know that this is a strong and reliable anchor point. Every one of these, I can put my hope in. Every one of these, I can put my faith in and know God is hearing my prayer. God has a purpose for me. God loves me. He's never going to leave me. And he's made that same promise to you. But don't take my word for it. Accept his word for it. Read for yourself about the character of God and his promises to give you a hope and a future. Those are his words, not mine. And a word of warning, you can be anchored to the wrong things. We know this. People, things, attitudes, even ourselves can cause us to have a, a weakened connection. We can just kind of drift. In Galatians 5, 7 through 8, we read, 
You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? This is Paul writing again to the people in Galatia. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you? He said that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And it matters what you use to anchor your hope to his promises. I, I suggest that this is strengthened by relationship and by understanding, right? You see the word and you, you need to have a relationship with the word. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to have an understanding. And having a relationship is important because fully knowing who he is and recognizing him as your heavenly father and accepting the friendship and gifts of his son, Jesus Christ, reveals his love to you. This establishes the trustworthiness of his promise. He has a purpose for me because he loves me, right? He's patient with me because he loves me. But understanding God and his word gives you confidence and, and you have a confidence that he hears you. Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly into his presence. Now, this is confidence, not arrogance. I can come up and speak to God, whether it's in the sanctuary or at home or wherever I'm at, and I can say, God, and I can say it confidently, because God says, yes, child, I'm here. Confidence that he will not give up on you, Philippians 1.6. He says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Isn't that comforting to know that this isn't all that there is and that this is as, as good as it gets or you're as good as you're ever gonna be or whatever knocked you down or got in the way or cut in on you, as Paul said, that's not the stopping point. He's constantly working. Now, next Saturday, when we're in here making this room beautiful and we're repainting it, when you only have part of it painted or only one coat, it's going to look a little ugly. And that's sometimes where we're at in our life. You know, we only have one coat of paint on us and Jesus is not quite done doing his work. You can also have confidence that you're on the winning team. This is from Isaiah 41.10. It says, do not be afraid for I am with you. These are God's word. And he says, do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And Jesus' own words found in John 16, 33, says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We know that. This is the tail end of that promise. He said, you will have trouble in this world. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Be confident, be bold, be at peace. Again, it is a relationship and understanding that adds strength. Understanding is, is more than mere knowledge. To memorize something or, or to be able to repeat it just because you've heard it over and over and over, that's called rote learning. And it's, it's a very effective tool to repeat something or to take a test. But there is a reason that scripture refers to wisdom as a spiritual gift. And we should pray for wisdom anytime we open the Bible and read God's word. Now, wisdom is sound understanding. Not only I say the words, not only do, do I hear the words, but I understand them. And having a secure anchor for your hope means understanding on a deep and personal level what it is that God is saying and promising. This is why Paul writes in his letter to the early Christians in Ephesus. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What a wonderful prayer. He says, God, as I read your word, please give me a deep understanding and reveal to me what it is that you want me to hear from you. You've probably done this. You read the same verse you've heard before, but something's a little different now because I'm in a different spot in my life. I'm in a different place in my mood. And all of a sudden, I remember one of the big ahas for me was I always heard God the Father, God the Father. Okay, yeah, I got it. He's Jesus' Father. When I became a father, I had a different understanding of what God the Father meant. 
I'm blessed to have an amazing father. I try to be that kind of father to my own children, but I also know that they mess up and I love them no matter what. Now I understand a little better what that means. So don't give up on reading the word because you've already read it. Read it again and say, God reveal to me. Let me understand what it is you want me to hear. I love that. It says, I keep asking for the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's a powerful prayer. Now, once again, I always try to come up with a clever title, and I, this one I struggle with again. It says, I printed that in Bolton. It says, anchored but not grounded. And I, I'm still not confident in those words, that, that what they capture what I mean. We are anchored, right? We are, we are, if we put our anchor, our, our strength and our, our security in God's word, but then, and, and we put our dug in deep in the firmness and security of his promises, I want to assure you this connection does not tie us down. That's what I was trying to say. When you, when you say something's grounded, like especially if it's flying, it's not allowed to fly. God's anchoring is not inhibiting in the respect of freedom denying, right? And anything I could think of just didn't work. Grounded means you're incapable of flight. No, we're, we're free. But bound means restricted or tied down. But we are bound to the promise we make with God. So I really struggled with this. So the best I come up with is maybe the word tethered, right? Maybe tethered. We're kind of connected for our own safety might be a better word and i've heard god's commandments instructions referred to as loving limits they not only keep the unholy thoughts and words and actions out of our lives but they also keep us help us enjoy life within these boundaries of freedom i'm expecting my first grandchild in a handful of months the baby gates and the cabinet locks will not be to punish a little olivia or to punish me because i probably won't be able to figure them out but they're to protect her that to protect her. And within the boundaries of whatever area we section off, she can have all the fun she wants. And I know I will if she ever gets put down on the floor. I've already got this. I've already got the grandpa bounce going. All right? So looking forward to this. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. It's a good one. It talks about freedom within God's loving limits for us. It opens with these words. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burned again by a yoke of slavery. Now, this is Paul's appeal to us. Jesus has set us free from fear, fear of what he called the law, fear of a, an angry, punishing, non-gracious God. He says, no, you no longer need to be afraid that you aren't good enough to be saved, and you no longer need to be afraid that you won't enjoy an eternity in heaven. If you skip ahead to verse 13 of Galatians 5, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. It's by God's design. He wants you to do this. It says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, it says, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. That is freeing. You are free to love other people. Freedom is not an excuse to do whatever you want. Paul explains it this way. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Isn't that true? Right? There are a lot of things that, that we could go out and leave this building and do right now, but that doesn't mean it's good for us whether it's the way we talk to someone or, or the, what we eat or whatever it may be, just because you have the right to do it doesn't mean you should, doesn't mean you, you know, it's, it's good. So he's saying there are some loving limits within this anchor. Now tomorrow's Memorial Day and we recognize, honor, and celebrate the sacrifice of so many men and women who serve to give us this great nation that is free. 
Freedom to do many things that people in other countries simply cannot. Gathering here on Sunday mornings to worship God in a way that we believe to be right and appropriate is a great example of this. We are, there are many denominations and exponentially more congregations that make up the global body of Christ followers that we call churches. And there are many differences. Some are relatively small and arguably insignificant, and others different on salvation issues, big deal stuff. But churches that are anchored in God's word have the most important things in common. This is why we gather and worship with other churches on the fifth Sunday when we're doing that. This is why we can and should have events in conjunction with other churches and organizations and the Mennonites. I mean, how lovely was that at Christmas? They came in and and, and basically had a choir concert, and we're getting ready to do something similar like that yet this summer. Same God, same Jesus, same reason for hope. Not so many years ago, I could have stood up here and asked five people in this room to stand up and tell me exactly what time it is. And I guarantee everybody would have like a different time, right? In fact, those, remember those old movies, the heroes right before battle, what do they do? They'd say, hey, gentlemen, synchronize your watches, right? Today, I think it's safe to say that everyone in the room has a cell phone. And if you were to, those same five people to stand up, all the cell phones would probably say the same time, right? Everything's synchronized now to a single source of truth in regards to time anyway. God has created an amazing world that he delights in and he wants you to live your life and his creation to the full or as the scripture describes it, abundantly. He has given you words of encouragement, words of instruction and words of warning. The fact that we all have the same single source of truth unites us in important ways. The common point in connecting tether yoke us with each other, particularly with Jesus Christ, but to our friends and our family and our loved ones, certainly, and our Savior's own words from Matthew eleven twenty nine thirty 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why would you burden yourself? Why would you bind yourself or yoke yourself or anchor yourself to anything less stable? Why would you risk drifting away at any speed or distance from the one who saves? As I mentioned, hope is relationally based, true hope. Not the hope the sun comes out this afternoon so it finally gets above 60, but biblical definition of hope, right? The confident expectation of what God has promised. We have a hope. We know these truths are. We're gonna cash in these promises that he's made. These are based on, or the strength come from his faithfulness that he has promised. Because of that relationship we have with him and he has with us, there's strength. And there is truth behind that promise. And it has been said to realize the worth of an anchor, you really need to feel the storm. Now think about that. To feel the purpose and worth of an anchor, you need to feel the storm. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it's the story of the wise and the foolish builder. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. That's why we need to anchor in something solid like that. And in order for you to move beyond spiritual immaturity, you need to experience a sense of confidence in your faith. And this promise made in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, those who hope in the Lord, right? We anchor our hope in the Lord. 
He will renew their strength. Are you tired? Either physically tired, emotionally tired. Are you just worn out, weary, as, as Paul said? He says, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Have you made a decision to anchor your hope in God's faithful promises? What would it take for you to accept the gift that is so freely offered to you? Because God promises to keep you in perfect peace if your mind is steadfast because you trust in him. All I ask is that you give him that opportunity. That's all I ask. And if I can help you with that or any of us can, let us know. That is why we're here, to encourage, to spur along, to be the one that pulls someone up when they need it. And maybe you're in one of those times where, where you are in a place where you can help pull someone along. Don't miss that opportunity. And maybe you're in a place where you just need that re reminder. Or maybe you're ready to make a, a decision for the first time, a reaffirmation. Don't wait any minute, any longer for that blessing. Let's say a prayer. Father God, we thank you again for who you are. We thank you for the freedom of this country. And as always, we pray for our leadership, that you will influence them. They will seek you in all the decisions they make for all the citizens of this country. Lord, we thank you for all who serve, who have served, and who have made that ultimate sacrifice that allows us the freedom to come in here and do what we know which is right, which is to worship our one true God. Father, help us to securely anchor our hope, our faith in you and your promises. You have not and you will not ever let us down. So let us bind ourselves securely so that we don't drift too far or too fast. Lord, may we help others do the same. There are a lot of people in this world just to drift, even if they don't realize it. And that's why you call us to be a light to others, to show them the way. Father God, I always thank you for who you are to us and, and this wonderful building, this opportunity we have to, or we get to uh, gather to here as friends and family, as a congregation in this wonderful part of the world where we can look out the window and, and truly appreciate your creation. Help us to not only appreciate it, but to take care of it. Lord, help us to to fill any empty spots in the pews with people seeking you, whether they physically come in here or we just guide them through our conversations and our interactions, that they can seek you and see there's a wonderful God in control of all things. True peace, true hope comes from no other name. Father God, I lift this service up to you. I pray that everything we've done this morning has been pleasing and honoring to you. Amen.